as we transition now uh, towards the sermon, um, we're going to read a passage from Genesis 28. And one thing that I want to just quickly say is that as Christians, we believe that there's actually one big story that the Bible is telling, and it's always centered and focused on Jesus. And so even the first book of the Bible, Genesis, is in some ways pointing to Jesus, as we'll see uh, the rest of this morning. Um, This is a familiar passage to many of you, perhaps uh, Jacob's Ladder. And you know, any ladder, um, there's one even in this room right now, any ladder uh, will connect an upper level to a lower level. It's how you get from the top to the bottom. And in this uh, passage, Jacob sees a ladder uh, connecting heaven and earth. And what we see here, um, just a preview of, is that there's a person um, that connects us to heaven, that connects our space, which right now is, is full of uncertainty, uh, anxiety, doubt, and even death. That space that we call home, God says, I want to enter into that space. I want to come to you. I don't want to keep my social distance from you. I want to come and be with you. I'm always coming in your direction. That's what, that's what Genesis 28 uh, shows us. And then John chapter 1. So let me read this uh, for you. Genesis 28, verses 10 through 17. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. This is the gate of heaven. This story from Genesis is a story that Jesus actually points towards whenever he starts talking to his people, his disciples, and he starts proclaiming who he is. And so we'll, we'll tag on to that story, that, that story from Genesis, and then walk our way even through other stories in Scripture to show that Jesus still is and always has been that gate. And so this morning we are continuing a series that Grace Brevard and Grace Mills River have been joined together in. We've called it Encounters with Jesus, but Grace Mills was a little more creative, and they called it House Calls. And a a comment was even made earlier this week by the tech guru, the graphic artist guru, Stacy, that isn't it ironic that even now, more obviously than ever, Jesus is still making house calls because that's where you are all sitting 
And that's what's happening this morning is, is Jesus is making a house call to us and he's inviting us into something that is so much more extraordinary than mere theology, than mere information. He's inviting us into something that can't just simply be theologically explained. It has to be experienced in some mysterious and miraculous way. And so think about even 10 years from now, 20, 30 years from now, you'll be telling your grandkids or something or your kids about this 2020 COVID-19 and and they'll be learning about it in history books. I'm sure this will be a serious section in history books about what happened to the globe, to the world. And people are going to be asking like, well, you mean you had to have social distance? I, I've never heard that phrase. And you'll tell your grandkids, not even that, you couldn't be within six feet. They're like, six feet? That's so weird, Grandpa. And you tell them you had to be there. It was weird. And you had to be there. And um, I've told many stories. I, you know, I've been at Grace Mills. I was at Grace Mills starting in 2004, and a lot of you have thought I was nuts when I keep talking about the glory of Texas barbecue. And I'm going to keep telling you. Well, I went on and on with many of my friends over the past many, many years, and one of my friends in Brevard, Greg Carlton, well, he went to the new Young Life camp outside of uh, San Antonio that we're trying to get named the Lone Jalapeno. And he went to Llano, Texas, which is close to where our lake house was, close to where our ranch was. He went to Cooper's in Llano, and that's, that's also called the land of milk and honey, the promised land. He came back and he said, Brian, I'm sorry, you were right this whole time. This barbecue is different than anything I've ever tasted. I, I, I've gone to heaven. I, that There's no way that heaven even has food that can taste that good. And I know you're saying, no, 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 no. East Carolina pork barbecue, that's hilarious. Now, you can't really explain it. You can't explain the glory of food. You can't explain the beauty of, of something that you've experienced you have to just go taste it. You have to experience it. And that is where the gospel hits us this morning. That twice in John 1, we hear a, an invitation of come and see. Because people are waiting and waiting that all throughout history, people were waiting in hope of the Messiah to come, of God to come down the ladder to get us. And here we have in John 1, God himself comes down the ladder, and God himself is the ladder, and the invitation is, you got to just come and see. There's a great country song that uh, I want to share with you. It's about one minute of it um, by Jamie Johnson, just called In Color, and it's trying to explain, like, yeah, there's things that happen in life, and it's great to talk about it, but you'll never really understand it until you experience it. I said, Grandpa, what's this picture here? It's all black and white And it ain't real clear as that you there He said, yeah, I was a lovin' 
Time for tough, back in 35 That's me and Uncle Joe just trying to survive A cotton farm in a Great Depression and If it looks like we were scared to death Like a couple of kids just trying to save each other You should have seen it in color should have seen it in color. And that's what Jesus is inviting us to, is to experience this gospel, not just in words, not just in religion, not just on the third party looking in. He says, come experience this. Now, I was told that because of the cameras, I, I have to stay right here, and it's going to be tough. They're gonna, they told me they're going to Velcro me down because I want to walk around because this passage is exciting to me. It is exciting and it makes me want to move because he has moved towards me, towards us. So this is, this is a series of Jesus calling his disciples and then his disciples calling other disciples. And so I'll read it for us, John 1, 43 to 51. The next, jet, the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. And now Philip was from Bethesda, Bethsaida the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? And Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, amen, amen, verily, verily, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You see, Jesus was calling these disciples into hope, into life, to himself. And so what I want to do this morning is simply walk through three quick things of that we have a longing for healing, a longing of hope. But that hope is actually something far greater than we think. And it's actually being called into a living hope. So there's a longing, and there, there's the revelation of a greater hope, and then there's actually that living hope out. And so what is this hope? And this hope is the reality of there is brokenness in us and around us. There's no disputing that at all. And what hope is, it's more than a wish. It's a belief. It's a longing inside of us towards wholeness, towards healing. That we were made whole in the very beginning in God's image to be connected in relationship with Him and each other and to be part of the creation symbiotically and beautifully 
and it broke. It's because of sin, but what sin is is simply selfishness, that I want to live life my own way. And just like any kid that does that, every kid, including me, that has done that at home, it breaks things when we live for ourselves. And so what hope is, is is acknowledging there is brokenness, and I really desperately want healing, and so I'm longing for wholeness. And so right now, what do you what are you longing for? What, what is that brokenness that is, uh, some would call the tyranny of the urgent? That we have this brokenness of a virus that's spreading the globe. It is murdering people. It's taking loved ones. It's breaking apart community. It's creating fear and anxiety and anger that we have a brokenness of an economy. We don't know what's going to happen. And there's a lot of fear about what about, what about the Dow? What about my, my retirement fund? What about this economy? What's going to happen? If the, if the feds dump in a trillion dollars, which is what they're talking about, what's that going to do? And, but really, more importantly, what about safety? And how long is this going to last? And am I going to get it? And that's, that's where I want to go from the big to the, to the smaller of what about my health? Yeah, I'm worried about the, the global economy, but I'm also worried about, about my economy, about my job, my health, my kids, my parents. And we're sitting in this brokenness of this world, longing for hope. But what I want to tell you is it's, it's actually a lot bigger than we're saying. Because what would happen right now if, if everything was fine with the virus, if they came up with the vaccine, they came up with the cure, and all of a sudden the economy wasn't that bad, and next week we're back to normal. All your problems are cured, right? I'm still broken. I still, and we talked about in Grace for two weeks ago, I still have a physical brokenness. I still have an emotional, relational, mental brokenness. And ultimately, I still have a spiritual brokenness because I still am rebelling against the one who made me and in whose image I'm made. And what's happening is not j- the virus makes, makes things boil up and we become victims of the present But even when it goes away, my problems don't. Some do, but the real problems don't. The problems where I am running away from God, the problems of my anxiety. So maybe you're struggling even right now with that, and we need someone, something outside of us to come and fix it because we can't fix it ourselves. I'm not just talking about the virus. With the virus, we are looking to world leaders and scientists and doctors but when it comes to the, the deeper stuff, I need someone to come fix it. Because don't you feel helpless right now? I do. I feel so helpless. And so we need someone from the outside to fix this chaos. And this has been the story from the beginning of time. And it will be the story until the end of time, but then 
the fixing will have taken place fully. Then wholeness will come about. But between the now and the then, we're waiting. And we're in hope that we're looking for something. And that's where we find the disciples. That's where we find Nathaniel. Nathaniel sitting under a fig tree. Nathaniel and all these people of Israel knew the Old Testament stories and knew that God had promised them all of this wholeness and hope. That He promised them, I will be your king and you will be my people. I will be the great physician. I will come to you. I will hide you under my wings. And they were waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And, and he came. And they're like, but you're not who I expected. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Now, I know a lot of you who are watching this are not normal um, churchy type folks. Good for you. You may be asking the question, can anything good come from church? It's a good question. It can. It, it can. And Nathaniel said, can anything good come from this little hillbilly town called Nazareth. It's like you would be shocked because the king of the world was born to us and he is able to fix this. He is able to bring about shalom, peace, wholeness. He's the one who knows what's best. He's the one who desires what's best and he's the one who is able to do what's best. And so let's look through this story and see how Jesus is not just the hope we're looking for, he is a far greater hope that we're looking for. And so we, uh, I want to go to Jesus' very first sermon. In Jesus' very first sermon, it, it relates to John 1, where John 1 says that, that this man, Jesus, came, and it's the same one that Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote that all of Scripture pointed towards the Messiah, pointed towards the one who would come and save. And so when Jesus got up in the synagogue for his very first sermon in Luke 4, it was a really short sermon. And he said this, And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It's in the sermon. And he rolled up a scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. You know why they were fixed on him? Because after a sermon was read in the synagogue, they required someone in authority to stand up and say amen, to stand up and say, yes, what that person said was true. And they were like, what did this man just say? He just said he is the one that all the prophets pointed to. And so he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. You see, all of Scripture points to this man, Jesus. And this man, Jesus, and the disciples were saying, this is the one that has been proclaimed for thousands of years. They go to Nathaniel. And, and they tell Nathaniel, he's like, you've got to be kidding me. And they say, come and see. 
And he does. And when he got to Jesus, Jesus was not just general. He was personal. He said, Nathaniel, when you were under that fig tree, I saw you. That Jesus' calling and his proclamation is not just a general cold theology. It is a non-social distanced hug of affirmation that he is ours. We are his. And his calling to his disciples looks a little bit like this. Okay. Save yourselves. So, this is Adam. Critter's got an ugly mouth. That's not its mouth. Oh, I just had this washed. You guys go. I can't fit. Thanks, Mom. Hey. Howdy. Again? Go wherever they need you. The all-new Highlander. Toyota. Let's go places. Get in, Brian. That is the Lord's calling. It's a ragamuffin group, and it's an enemy far more scary and violent and deadly than we can imagine. But he is a God that is so much bigger than we ever dreamed of. And we are a collection of disciples that are so weird, so strange, so different, that he has called people of every tribe, of every tongue, to come to him, to get in, to come and see. And so as as even Nathaniel starts to unpack who this Jesus is, he says a couple of things that are really important, that Jesus is, is so much bigger. He's not just my own little personal Jesus, i.e. butler. He's actually the king of Israel. That he is the one that, that Israel has had kings over and over and over, and judges and rulers, and they've all horribly failed, some to different degrees, but we have all been looking for that someone to come and fix. And Nathaniel says, you're that one. You're the ruler. And so he is the king. That He has the authority. He sits on the throne in the midst of trouble and enemies that Jesus reigns. He's not just that. He's also the son of God. That He has the authority because he's the king. He has the power because he is the son of God himself. That he is at the right hand of of the Father, which is the, the hand of power. So he's not just a great teacher telling us to be nice to each other. He actually has the authority and the empowerment to do something about it. And he's not just that. He also has the absolute perfect wisdom. Remember I said that in the old synagogues that someone in authority would stand up after a message after a sermon 
and the, uh, the people in authority would say, Amen, Amen, which means we agree, we give our stamp of approval on this message. Never before in history, never before in any books, scripture or anything included, has this ever happened. Before Jesus spoke, he proclaimed that what he was about to say And what he was going to say himself was verily, verily, was amen and amen, was true. 1 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all of the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. That's why we can utter our amen. So saying amen at the end of a, of a prayer is, is not just a, a religious period, you say, okay, I'm done. It's a, you, you are true. Let this be, but not my will, but yours be done. And Jesus said, I am the amen of God. I am the truly, truly. That what I say is real and true and wise and authoritative. And that's why he can come back to Jacob's ladder. He can come back to this reference that was thousands of years old. You see, Nathaniel said, you are amazing. And Jesus said, you have not seen anything yet. Wait, that didn't sound right. You ain't seen nothing yet. You have no idea how amazing I am. You have no idea how powerful I am, how personal I am, how wise I am, and how loving I am. You see, back thousands of years ago, you know the story about Jacob's ladder and about how it was, a, it was actually more like a staircase, most likely. Was a, but either way, it connected heaven and earth. And Jacob saw this connection that somehow there is this gap between earth and humanity and God and heaven. And somehow that gap has to be filled, but we cannot fill it. And Jesus said, I have come to fill that gap. I am the staircase. I am that gate. I am the ladder. I have come to bring God to you, and I have come to bring you to God. I have come as the liaison, the intermediary. The John Calvin says, Christ is the medium through which the fullness of all celestial blessings flows down to us, and through which we, in turn, ascend to God. You see, He is that hope. He is that ladder. And he said to Nathaniel, you have not seen anything yet. The way he's done that, he's procured this sure promise is on the cross. It's the way it was created. That Jesus said later on in John, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart I have overcome the world. The way he overcame the world is, remember what hope is? Hope is that we live in brokenness and we want wholeness. Jesus came from a place of wholeness and he was broken. I wish we could have communion together this morning. That He said, I was broken on your behalf. My flesh was broken and my blood was shed for you. Take, eat, take, and drink. I was broken so that you could be made whole. 
in this heart, we're going to have trouble. We don't know what's going to happen with the virus, economy, fear. We, we don't know. But this we do know. He has overcome the world, has, past tense. He's also in the middle of it. But it is such a sure thing. He can say right now, truly, truly, I've overcome the world. Verily, verily, amen, amen. It's as good as done. And we can hold that truth because of this. Because when Jesus left, he gave us the Holy Spirit. The other part of the Godhead who said, I am not going to leave you alone. Right now you feel alone. Right now a lot of you are literally physically alone, but you are not alone. And we will never be alone. I saw a great meme this week that Christian guy holding a sign that says, where two or more are gathered, but less than ten. There's always two or more because if you are in him, it's always at the bare minimum, you and him. You and the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. You see, we have a greater hope. It's a greater hope than the virus going away. That is important, and we need to pray for that, and we will, but we can't lose sight of the bigger picture. Because even if we pray for the things of like economy and relationships and health and this virus, and we should pray for those, we are called to pray for those, But if that's all we got, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, if if in Christ we only have hope for, for a virus going away, then we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. You see, the gospel is not platitudes saying just, well, just feel better. No, we can have actual hope that even if this virus goes away tomorrow or if it stays for a long time, nevertheless, it is well with my soul. Nevertheless, I can turn my eyes upon Jesus. Nevertheless, he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. So how do I do that? He says... Simply come and see. I don't know, but this I do know. It's not just information. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my burden on you. He says, come to me, and he will take our burden and give us hope, give us peace, give us shalom, And like we had in the very beginning of the sermon, or beginning of the message today, Psalm 34 is, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. He says, come and and enjoy. Come and see. I wonder, do you you know him? I wonder, have have you done that? Have Have you taken this step beyond information and religion and said, Jesus, I am broken I need to be made whole, and I cannot do it myself. And simply making the step of, Jesus, I am broken, and my sin has broken. It's not just outside of me. It's in me too. And I believe, Jesus, that you are the Son of God, that you are 
the stairway, the ladder to heaven that connects me, connects me to the Holy One. And I believe you came to die for me and are raised for me so that this life is not all I'm looking for. That you have been raised from the dead and so therefore, so will we. Just like he saw Nathaniel under the tree, right now, Jesus sees you. Not in a condescending, angry, judgmental way. He sees you like he saw Nathaniel with compassion, with care, with love. And he knows us like Jesus knew Nathaniel. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming and says, Ah, here is a man of Israel in whom there is no deceit. There's no guile. He knows our hearts. And he knows my needs better than I do. And he knows what I truly need, and that's wholeness. That's love. That's him. So what do you do? Come to me. Follow me. So right now, what does follow me look like? Well, you probably have a whole lot more free time than you've ever had in your entire life. What would it look like to to breathe, to pray, to read, to have deep conversations with those around you, even if it's on the phone, to take a nap, to be still. And finally, what does that look like as I live it out? It's what Andrew and I began. It's to give help and to give help. It's, to, it's not just come and see, but it's to come and go. What does it look like to express this gospel to others? It's, it's not pushing out fear and anxiety, but it's pushing out from a heart that has it, pushing out hope and peace. Let me pray for us, and then we'll have a responsive prayer after that. And then Courtney and Don will lead us in a song that just I want to wash over you about the beauty of Jesus and how we are called to, to turn our eyes to him. So let me pray for us first. Jesus, it is in you and in you only that we have hope. It is you that we truly need. But even saying that, Lord, we pray that you would heal this world, heal this broken creation, that you would heal this enemy of a virus that is wreaking havoc and torment that is murdering people and separating people. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you as the great physician would, would heal us and heal this creation. Heal our anxiety, our fear. And we long for the days that you will wipe away every tear from our eyes where you proclaim that here is my son, in him I am well pleased, and he is the amen of God. He is the truly, truly. Lord Jesus, we need that so desperately. And for all in this room, all in this place that don't know you, Jesus, that they would right now say, you're right, you're, you're Lord, and only you can do that to a heart, is to drive up and say, get in. In Jesus' name, amen.